What's up? It's your boy Patches on the Green Street Blues podcast. I'm starting this out for 2020. Just a little podcast where I talk about a few things on my mind. may have gone on throughout the day or in the headlines or whatnot. So uh, hopefully you will enjoy the podcast and keep listening and uh submit your ideas <clears throat> questions anything you might want to talk about you know but uh so recently not recently man back in july i turned 40 i'm like god damn man like it's crazy how you like you're just 40 one day and i can remember being in my late teens <clears throat> early 20s like partying all the time having all the fun if there was a, if there was any fun still left out on the street I would before I went to bed I would go back down to the parking lot of my apartment complex grab that little bit of fun and have it before I went to bed because that's just how I rolled you know what I'm saying? But uh I don't know. Over the last twenty twenty two years, a lot has happened. You know. Got four kids now. The oldest is seventeen, the youngest is eight. And like I mean It's the most rewarding experience to have to be a father to these kids and watch them grow up and try to provide the opportunities for them that maybe I didn't have or to, you know, provide them with new opportunities and things that they want to do. Like the whole transformation of why I was why I'm here, you know, epiphasized, made that shit up, but like, it was an epiphany that has developed over many years, and I'm sure will continue to develop, you know what I mean, that's what you call, you know, getting wiser as you get older. But uh, another <clears throat> a good lesson that I've learned recently. Uh, I've been in the food and beverage industry as far as a line of work for upwards of twenty years, and you know I was basically thrown into it because after things didn't work out going to college. my own fault, you know. I was immature and not ready to go. But my parents had worked so hard and saved money and were ready for me to go. And so I went and just mentally wasn't ready. I look back now, the money I wasted. And now being a parent myself, wanting to provide those same opportunities for my children. I'm eager to 
be able to do it for them too, but I want them to choose the path that they want and to be ready to go on it when they're ready, you know? And I was just, for lack of a better term, a fart in the wind, man. Like, everything's so regimented in my life as far as what I have been told, like the the steps that you take, you know, it's elementary school, middle school, high school, college. And that never seemed like it was an option. And uh, I did good in grade school. Nah, let me stop lying, you know. I did average, maybe even below average in grade school because basically I had undiagnosed attention deficit which is like torture because like I won't deliberately uh, unorganized or not paying attention always trying to laugh like that was just me that that's what I you know I don't you know what I mean like you couldn't put me in a cage and make me act like everybody else, and you still can't. But that's, you know, I'm just a unique individual. That's why, I don't know. Just a unique cat. I dance to the beat of a different drum, but I also, I'm always dancing to a beat, though. People don't have music in their life and everything. I don't see how you do it, man. You know, that's healing right there. You know, all the thoughts and the things go on in your mind during the day. People harp on and complain. and You know, it's like, that's just, it comes to the point where it's like, that is the norm like you know instead of greeting people good morning how are you good and and that could even be it you know but uh, I noticed the environment where I'm working now there's a lot of people that's just uh, they just complain a lot I'm like yo that shit is contagious man you got me in here with my face tight, like, and one, I don't even barely know you all, but, like, why is my face tight right now? You know, that brings me back to what I was saying about, you know, how I cooked for so many years and and got good at it, but, <clears throat> you know, after... F- probably 11, 12 years of experience. I had one job sent me to culinary school and I uh, made it all almost all the way through. And I think as far as the credits go, I, have, I probably have a semester left because I went I think three consecutive semesters. I, went, I started in the summer, went fall, spring, summer and yeah and then the fall that I was going to graduate um 
the company I was working for decided they needed a quote-unquote return on their investment. In other words, needed me to be around work more. Wanted me to take a semester off. And I don't know. I'll get into all that down the road. I ain't going to bore you with the details of that shit right now. But long story short is that was how when you started to climb the ladder and get a little bit of advancement, they would offer the lead cooks to go ahead and go to culinary school, get your culinary degree, and then you could move into a salary position that was more it was considered a supervisor so you'd be on salary making a significant amount uh, more money but what happened to the two cooks before me is when this offer was made because see here's the catch you had to drive to Richmond to attend class um so the two guys before me, they offered this to, ended up, they couldn't maintain the grades, weren't going to class. So that basically made it so they didn't keep up their end of the deal as far as going to school to advance. If you didn't go to school and perform and do well, then you had to find another job. So that's what happened to them. Well, here comes my black ass in there. <clears throat> got good sense, uh, enjoy cooking, you know, really loved it and was learning a lot just, you know, working in the field, developing the experience of just the repetition of prepping all of these same things over and, and cooking and cooking. <clears throat> and then got the opportunity to go to school where I think in the grand scheme of corporate shenanigans that get played, me getting sent to school was like, we're going to blow smoke up your ass until you have all this potential, but you're really not going to make it, and we'll start over trying to find someone else. Well, they got the wrong one because your boy got in there and was soaking the shit up. Loving it. Like, yo, I was looking forward to go. But check it. I would have to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, leave my house by 4.30, 4.45 if I'm pushing it, be in Richmond by 6.30 so that I was sure to be on time for 7 o'clock class. And we'd have the classroom part from 7 to probably about 11.30, lunch. And then I had <clears throat> some semesters I'd come back for lab at 2. Other semesters it was 4. But, you know, and the class was either 2 or 3 days a week, depending on the class and what semester we were in. And then I was having to go and still be working full-time at... um the place I was working in between class. So I was running like 17-hour days, just go, go, go. And I was excited and inspired. And and it seemed like the GM had actually taken an active interest. I mean, it was like, damn, okay. So I didn't go about it the traditional, let's go get a four-year degree and get a job and all this. But 
you know, finally sticking to something and and trying to be the best and do the best that I could at it was looking like it was going to pay off. Well, three semesters in, they realized that not only was I maintaining a B average, but I had joined the competition club, was going and competing, winning medals, um, just going above and beyond because I, I mean, at this point, I re- it was like I realized my calling. Like, I, I, I loved everything about what was going on. And, and it felt good, you know, to be like I was excelling and, and, and I was going to thrive. And I had a goal in my sights that I'd be able to reach. Well, slow down there, black fella. Because you start getting too good, then you become a threat. And the laughs and joking about how hard culinary school was going to be and blah, 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 and the the shit talking they did before I went and faded away gradually to barely asking to me having to talk about it to responses that got ignored or Clearly didn't want to be talked about at the time because the work that day was more important. And, uh, you know, but I'm stupid. I'm not supposed to see all this. But, I mean, I'm not stupid, first of all. And I, 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 could, just, I could see it coming. So, anyway, and then I got my food truck and that was a blessing I learned a lot from that and ran it for four and a half five years and had so much fun and that was like a a dream and it was also a lot of hard work and um, things just didn't work out as far as timing in hindsight, it was timing was bad. I had my oldest at the time was eleven, uh, and then the youngest right on down to two. And I'm trying to run a business and and be dad and and be home, and it was just bad timing. But you you know you live and learn. And um, I was able to have that opportunity because of money that I was left by my grandmother. Um, Family members all helped me out tremendously financially. And, uh, I mean, be honest with you, a lot of times, I mean, it is a sore subject because, you know, to me, I feel like, like I failed, like that was, and I did, but you you learn from that. So you know, and I did learn a lot from that. A uh, whole new 
uh, side to the food and beverage industry, or I should say all sides of the food and beverage industry. And uh, through that experience, uh, I, you know, I made a lot of connections uh, and ended up landing a job as a uh, manager at the uh, kitchen at St. Anne's Belfield at a lower school. And anyway, it just got to a point where I, I, I kept, I was like finding myself working under people that A, were not as qualified as I am to be working in the kitchen, yet making a whole lot more money and all of this is off of the strength of what myself and the other people that I worked with there were doing. And it, it was the beginning of this year. It was like the straw that broke the camel's back because like we, we didn't have a dishwasher. This motherfucker had us in there. <clears throat> I mean prepping the food, serving the food, cleaning up after lunch, and then doing all the dishes, having to order, place the order for the food, put the orders away when it comes in for over three and a half months. This was every day at work. And not once did he stop and say thank you or like, Make sure you guys are drinking plenty of water or, you know, it's okay if you if you have to stay a little late. I understand it's a lot. Or can I jump in and help you guys? He may have helped us once or twice. And honestly, the times that he did, it was because he was washing something that he needed for himself. And I don't know, I just... One day it just clicked in my head. Like, I think I was mopping at the end of the day. I asked myself, like, all this time I spent trying to be the best that I could be as a chef, and I end up carrying out all of the responsibilities of the chef, running this entire kitchen, and yet you choose to pay another guy upwards of $80,000 a year to run both kitchens. But he doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. Like, this motherfucker would come in wearing the same pants all the time, um, straight-up Crocs. And I'm not talking about, like, the closed toe Mario Batali like kitchen crocs, even though those were shit too for your feet and back. But this motherfucker actually comes in like with crocs on and socks like with with the holes in it. Shit so bald on the bottom. I seen this motherfucker almost hit his head on a hand sink one day trying to carry too much in a hurry. 
I hit that corner, yo, and it was a smear mark. Had to have been eight inches long for where this motherfucker almost fell. And I was weak. But, like, one day I was like, you know what? Fuck all of this shit, man. Like, I've been around food for so long and just dealing with the ins and outs of food service and serving people and putting on a smile and when motherfuckers are looking down on you and, you know, treating you like you just ain't shit. And I was like, man, fuck this. I'm out. So now I'm a maintenance technician at the local community college. And happy as a lark, I'm over trying to come up with impressive stories for people when I go out. Oh, what are you up to? Oh, well, I'm this and this and that, and I'm working on this. and Fuck that, man. I'm working, doing the best I can for my family, man, and I'm happy. So, you know, since I took this job, the, the pace is, like, opposite of what I'm used to. Or should I say the standard that they've set is opposite of what I'm used to. But all that's going to change. Um, they don't ask a lot of you there. And the people, some of the people act like they're so miserable. It's like so much, so much to do. It's hard work. Or they'll pick a project that may need to take us an hour. And that's if I'm giving you 20 extra minutes. And this, that is a half-day project. And that's cool with people. But yet, meanwhile, we have, you have work orders of simple things that need to be taken care of that have been in there for, like, I saw one that had, like, October's date on it. I didn't even start to January. So I'm able to be self sufficient in that there is as much work there to be done as you want to do. And that's what I need is to stay busy, you know, and um, make these days go by faster. And I'm working with a couple of skilled people, an electrician, uh, one guy's an HVAC guy, um... You know, so I'm learning a lot from these guys just in the little repairs that we're doing. And uh, the college will, play, will pay completely for any courses I want to take in, uh, to learn a trade or, or trades. So, we're, you know, I'm just going to kick back and enjoy and enjoy, like, you know, just being normal as far as, like, I can go to work work hard, and when I get off work, I don't have to think about work anymore until I go back. And uh, so point being, it's a lot to be said about uh, making yourself happy. It'll feel better. And, like, don't be so bogged down in misery that you don't look up to see the opportunities that could be right there in front of you, but you just... We get so used to the daily grind 
that it may not even occur to us that there is another way or something else or you know and sometimes money isn't everything money makes a lot of things easier but if you're to the point where you're so driven to earn money that you miss out on life and your family and things like that, then you got it. You got shit all fucked up. It's like that's backwards. You you know, the cliche quote is that you you're supposed to work to live, not live to work. If you sick, stay home. If you have sick time, even if you don't, take care of yourself. You run yourself in the ground, you ain't going to be able to work at all. So, just, you know, a little reminder if anybody's out there feeling bogged down and every time you go into work, you hating it, don't even want to get up and shit like that. Like, you're not alone. I think a lot of people go through it depending on your circumstance like I don't have a choice of whether or not to work I can't just walk in and be like oh fuck this shit I'm quitting I mean I could but you know I got a whole family depending on me not to act like that you know like find another plan or uh, you know another strategy but being miserable won't be it anymore. And it's like a lot of times you have to make changes that are hard that you may not want to make or you may not have ever thought you would have to make, but that could be the one thing that's holding you back from being free, being happy, you know what I'm saying? So just make yourself happy. Try try to do something to make yourself happy every day. Um, we've been talking about uh, this whole thing with Kobe Bryant, man. That shit just blew me. Like, what? And uh, I found out through a text message while I was at my son's basketball game. And I look at it, and I'm like, because, you know, these days, you don't know what to believe. Shit, back in October, some message came through that The Rock had died. I was like, what? That nigga Dwayne Johnson? And then come to find out, it was a lie, some hoax. I'm like that. But that's the world we live in. You know, you got stupid motherfuckers out there that just get a kick out of making up rumors or they get clickbait, they're making money, whatever. So anyway, I get this about Kobe Bryant. I'm like, I was like, hell nah, man. Because at this point, it was like, probably like 140 when I got the message. And um, I'm like, man, you know, I've been up a good while today. I'm sure I would have seen that on the phone or on 
ESPN. Like, if Kobe Bryant died, I'd have known about it by now. So I'll go and Google, and I'm like, see, no, not really anything's coming up. But then I started to look down, and I'll, like, refresh the page. I'm like, what the? Like, wait a minute. And then I saw, like, from, like, reliable news sources, quote-unquote, because I don't, you know, really, you don't know these days. And uh, the reason it hadn't been all over everything is because the shit had just happened. I think I probably got the text message about this happening probably within 25 minutes of it actually happening because... When we left my son's game, it was like all it was on the radio. Like that's all they were talking about, and uh, they were explaining to the uh, listeners before they took a commercial break what had happened. And they said, apparently, at whatever time it was out there, like ten twenty-seven in the morning, the the um helicopter with Kobe Bryant and his daughter and five people um, crashed and they are confirmed dead. And I was like, what? And uh, on the radio, I mean, this one already knew, but he, I was like, an hour, like an hour ago? I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, I just found out 40-something. And I was like, wow. Social media... 2020, 21st century, like, this is the world we live in. Like, his wife, it's quite possible that his wife and kids didn't even know yet. Because apparently TMZ was the first one to report it. And, I mean, that shit went viral. And it was like dealing with any kind of shock. And tragedy, like, you know, on a different scale, I've been through the stages of grief. Like, at first it was like, I didn't want to believe it, you know, and then I was shocked. Then I got home and saw the press conference and, and like, they weren't saying it, the, uh, they weren't saying who was on board and, you know, really making a point that, like, we're not going to say anything until the coroner and the medical examiner have identified the bodies and try to determine what happened. And, of course, the media's digging, digging, like, trying to get them, and they wouldn't say anything. And I, I guess I went through back through the stage of denial or just not wanting to believe it. And I was like, yeah, wouldn't that be some shit like, you know, right in the middle of this Senate impeachment trial, all of a sudden the news hits that that Kobe Bryant and his daughter passed and you get the whole country shook, devastated. You know, to find out that that was the ultimate way for Russia or Ukraine to show us that they had control of not only 
social media and all that, but over our basically telecom lines. Yeah, I probably had taken a bong hit before I came up with that. But like I said, I still didn't want to believe this shit. Like, and then, you know, my, when I told my son, my 10-year-old, well, he found out during the game while he was playing. I like I'm sitting down, look, like looking at him one of the series, and he was sitting out. And I, you know, I know my children. I, I'm like looking at him, like I was like, "Hey, you all right, man?" And he's like, "Yeah," and just had this look on his face, and he wouldn't look at me. And I could tell. I was like, "Yo, he," I was like, "He about to start crying." Like what? But I, I just, like, let him have a moment. And I really didn't know. And I'm trying to figure out, like, are you, is it because you're not in the game right now? Because, I mean, they rotate pretty regularly, you know. And he had been in and out. And then it dawned on me. And I was like, oh, shit. Because it's like my 10-year-old's probably got the most tender heart of all my boys when it comes to empathy and just, you know, caring, and you know what I mean? He's just a good-hearted, sweet kid. And, uh, you know, he likes basketball, and he knew who Kobe Bryant was, and, and uh, you know, that hurt. And, it, you know, as a parent, any parent out there knows, like, that hurts when you see your kids upset about anything, like, you know? And this wasn't a drug overdose or him out being reckless, you know, or anything like that. Like, he was being a dad. Taking his daughter to her game. You know what I'm saying? I'll be 41. I have a 13-year-old daughter that likes to play softball. And I love to watch her play softball and encourage her and practice with her. And, you know, when you can put yourself in someone else's feet, you can't say you know how they feel, but I can say I know that I don't want to know how it feels as far as his wife and his other daughters that just left now. It's just, it's just tragic, you know? And, uh, and then always online is somebody or, you know, always a, a bunch of people. Oh, well, it's a shame that, you know, just because he played basketball, he gets all this recognition. Cause he, but did you know that, um, I forget, I think maybe, I think it was five U.S. soldiers were killed. And that doesn't get breaking news and all this attention and and things like that, you know. And I and I and I I have to agree with you. It, it doesn't get that same amount of attention. But like, you know, a lot of things that have to do with the military are not gonna get on the news because they don't tell us everything that's going on anyway. You know, 
And Kobe Bryant passing away in this tragic helicopter accident doesn't take anything away from the soldiers that are out there defending us every day so that we can be free and live the lives that we want to live. Doesn't take anything away from them. And their families are mourning and their friends and everyone that they're close to is affected by that. But what is it that people don't understand about the significance of celebrity? You know, just just by definition... All right, this guy, Kobe Bryant, is not just a celebrity, he is an icon. An icon that put all that he had into what he loved. Down to retiring when he realized that he was getting older and so were his kids. And maybe he was at the same point I was at where he was, you know, he just, just didn't want to burn himself out working all the time. But he did it because he was able to provide a good life for his family and able to spend that time that meant so much to him and passed away. All the records he broke in the in the NBA, the five NBA championships, twenty years with the same team. The accident happened right there in LA. And and your only response to that some people is that it, that's a shame that he gets all this attention and and soldiers i mean i don't know i just i just can't help to think that it's more behind it than the fact that it was a sports celebrity that's getting more attention than the soldiers. Because nobody said that it was fucked up when Dale Earnhardt wrecked his NASCAR on that February back in the late 90s, early 2000, and all the attention that that got and the heart broke and all those NASCAR fans. No one went on there talking shit about the troops and things that were over in Afghanistan or Iraq, or you know, maybe they weren't at the, at that point, but we were headed into bad times. And if you're going to say that, then shout out the troops every day. And if you want to do that, do that. Or when you see them out, thank them, shake their hand. You're not taking anything away from that, but don't, sit there and say that it's messed up, that, that people are mourning the loss of a sports icon, someone that inspired so many people and that was doing so much good. 
I remember the same comments when Whitney Houston and Michael Jackson passed away. Oh, but they didn't mind them getting that much attention. You know, it's because they died of drug overdoses. So then they want to air them out. Oh, and then that's all they were anyway. And they're just drug addicts. And and then you want to talk about it when it's something bad that 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 uh, uh, this uh, pop icon has done. But if you start mourning and talking about how sad it is, you don't want to hear that. Then you want to talk about the troops. Think about your motives, like, before you speak, or before you put something out on social media. I'm, that's all I'm saying. You and Everybody's entitled to say and put out there what they want. But, like, just think about it. I mean, I, I get it. Don't get me wrong. And our troops do need to be thanked. And none of us could live the lives that we live here as much as we all like to complain about it on the day-to-day. We couldn't be free without the people that are out there making the sacrifices. But don't try to take something away from a nation, from a world that is mourning a sports icon that died in the most tragic and horrific way in this land of the free. And as far as Ari Shafir, that fucking beak nose prick fuck who decided to go on there and try to air Kobe out on some shit that happened back in the day and called this grown man a rapist over allegations that he was never convicted of. It was settled out out of court. And then you find out that this bitch was a set-up hoe that preyed on people that were rich to try and go ahead and set them up like that. And you're going to say that you're glad that this rapist died. He got what he deserved. He died while being a father to his daughter. Yo, fuck you, man. You're a piece of shit, Ari Shafir. Nothing about that shit you said was funny. And for real, you're lame as fuck anyway. Your comedy is mad dry. People get tired of hearing your voice just drag on. Your voice is nasally as hell because you have a beak. Instead of a nose, you have a fleshy beak and your hairline is receding back to the top of your ears. You heartless piece of shit, man. Like, and I hope your career, you you know, I'll just say what goes around comes around and karma is a sister to life. And they're both bitches. 
And you definitely should have checked yourself before you said that because that was heartless. It was mean. It was the ultimate stab at a successful black man even in his passing, you try to take something away from him. So, fuck you, man. You know what I'm saying? I hope you step off the curb in the traffic, man. Because that was some fuck shit that you said. And that's all I got to say about that. So, we easing on to the end of January now, man. I hate fucking January. In case y'all don't know. I hate it. It's like, I love fall. I love summertime, springtime, you know? We can get outside, play baseball. Baseball's coming up. If anybody listening to this has got kids out in my county, I think we got the tryouts out at Fork Union, February 22nd. So, boys, get your gloves out, dust them shits off. I ain't talking ground balls and get in front of it all that this year. We running bases, we playing baseball. And I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Hopefully I can get my squad back together from the All-Stars. Have a nice little core to work with like we did in the fall. And uh, I'm joining the board this year, man. So we can have somebody on there focus the attention to the... uh, the rookie league, man. We ain't no afterthoughts out here. We want our fields looking good. We want we want to practice on the field that y'all told us that we can practice on when we make the agreement in the beginning of the season. You know what I'm saying? We want lines on our fields, and we want the concession stand open every time we have games. You know what I'm saying? And so, I'm not going to sit around and talk shit about it. I was like, you got to be the change that you want to see. So I'm not going to be that guy that just complains and talks shit and blah, blah, blah. Nope. I'm joining the board. See, that's positive change, man. Looking forward to it. I'm excited about that. And y'all know what it is. This Sunday, I believe, February 1st. First Sunday, February. What's that? The Super Bowl. That's right. We're going to have the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the San Francisco 49ers. And I believe... That shit is going to be in Miami. That's going to be off the chain, man. Uh, 
don't know too much about either team. No, I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to football this year because I was too stressed out from washing fucking dishes every day of the week. In addition, never mind, I'm not getting on that shit again. But anyway, what I do know is that we got a high-powered offense in Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. That dude can make something happen. He can make a way where there's no way. I believe the boy know Jesus. But then you also got Garoppolo over there on the other side with the 49ers. Acting like he didn't study behind Tom Brady for mad years. And the 49ers defense is... Oh, but you also got Hill over there on the... Ch- Yo, this is going... I tell you what. Be that what it may, this is going to be probably one of the best Super Bowls in recent history as far as competitiveness and the uh, the closeness of the game. I think it's going to be a close game, man. Uh... I'm saying 37-33, and the Chiefs going to pull it out, man. I'll go ahead and call that. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, man. I'm running this through one time just to see what it's like, you know, if my little handwritten format worked. I'm going to run it back. See what it looks, sound like. Might just put it out there like this. And let y'all pro- see my progression along with me as I get into the editing and all that. But I don't know. If you made it this far, thanks for listening. And until next time.